What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. All right. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. I'm here with uh, Nick Shanklin and JJ Fitz from Gypsy Q. Yo. I think this is my first outdoor podcast. We're at uh, Improper City, under that mural. So welcome, guys. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I met you probably two months ago. I'm talking to JJ. And uh, there were two reasons I wanted to have you as an interview. Is one, when you brought out that brisket, which is the size of like an old laptop, right? (laughs) You were like describing it in terms of both a surgeon like in the the technical aspects of it like the char and the smoke layer which i don't know i'm probably getting that wrong but just so passionate about what you were doing as an artist so like the technical and the artist side and the other thing i liked is that when you asked me what my name was i had a couple beers and i was feeling a little spicy I think it was Olivia. She goes, well, he'll say whatever you put on there. And I go, uh, donkey balls, donkey balls. <laughs> yeah. which I still have on my uh, like big I mean, board. We, I, <laughs> so I think part of what makes us a very unique truck is not that we just that we're passionate about the food, but that I mean, that, that shows in every aspect of what we do. We love the food. We love bringing something unique to people. And we've tried to take a food truck and turn it into a stage for people to taste great things, try new things, push their boundaries a little bit, and get a little bit of theatrics out of the deal, too. You know, whenever people approach the truck, I've been real big on, on, on training the other staff as well, and even training myself, to not be food service, to make sure that we're engaging the guests on a different level. And I think that's part of it. And when we have a playful guest, that makes it so much easier. Um, it was a good time. I mean, it we, showed. And, and when we're busy, that's when it's the hardest. Whenever we have a line out the door, but it, it also can provide a little bit of a break for the guests waiting in line because it's kind of a dragged wait for your food. You know, you're hungry, you're hot, you're cold, whatever the environment is. We're outdoors twenty four seven, and so to, to have that moment to to get away from that weight to break it up a little bit to get in people's faces sometimes we get a little savage with people when they're drinking sometimes we you know we play with people make funny names <laughs> ask them what their spirit animal is you know yeah that was put them on, put them on the spot <laughs> put them on the spot you know like get get them out of it a little bit you know and then feed them something a little bit unique everybody's had barbecue before so that's yeah. we're not a barbecue truck you know uh, that is a huge component of what we do but it's not the end-all, be-all. We, we, you know, Nick has been, since day one, since the first time I met Nick, um, he's taken a very different approach from the way that he builds and designs a menu to, to incite a guest experience. And so everything's very unique. Everything's got his own personal spin to it. And, you know, something that we came together on a long time ago was making that fun for people. You know, we even um, toyed around with doing pop-ups for a little while. And uh, we did a couple of events. And it was about the majesty and the wonderment of what can be involved in tasting new things. And and, and so that, that definitely is a bit of a dimension to Gypsy Q. Because it's not a barbecue truck. It's Southern Q with an Asian flair. 
And so, you know, when you're not filling barbecue, you can still enjoy something off this rig. I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> you summed it up great for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's a very self-deprecating chef, too. Yeah. 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 Never really been good at giving myself credit, I guess. Um, That's my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I honestly probably couldn't even have pulled this off without JJ's help, though without your assistance, without the theatrics that you bring to the table and, and without the personal note that you bring to Gypsy Q. Um, you, you've definitely done an amazing job of making sure that any person that comes up to our truck feels welcome, feels invited, and feels like they're part of something much larger than just getting another sandwich or another fried whatever from another roach coach or from another mod podge <laughs> thrown together uh pos truck so uh it's definitely made for a very unique experience uh i personally don't have the energy to do that every single day and yet somehow you've managed to some yeah sometimes some, somehow you've managed to do it and you make sure that everyone is enjoying themselves which allows for me to go back to our kitchen and, and focus on the food side of things focus on uh the detail and meticulous nature of preparing these meats of preparing these sides and making sure they're the highest quality that we can present to people i think a lot of different different groups address it differently but i mean that really is compartmentalization to what we do um you know there's a, a tremendous amount of effort that nick I mean, and sometimes it's unnecessary, I think, you know. He puts so much energy and effort into each day, into the prep of every menu item. That way it is easy for me to deliver to people. I, there's never a day that I spend on this truck where I worry that what I'm going to be putting out that window or what we're going to be building or what our staff's going to be putting out there, whether or not it's substandard. And he overplans, he agonizes, he stresses. And, and so it is a really natural progression within our group and a natural cycle where we roll over the top of each other and I try to calm him down as much as I can. Sometimes that's by putting a grenade in his lap, pulling a pin and running away. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. some, some, right? Sometimes <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's just bringing a little bit of peace in the fact that we do have this. And, and early on, whenever we started rolling this, we were learning. I mean, again, sure. this is a brand new truck. And even though we bring decades of experience in restaurant hospitality um, to the table with what we're doing here, um, it, it was... I this mean, is our first truck. It's it. I, I mean, th you know... This is the first time we've we done food trucks. We've done restaurants. We've done pop-ups. We've done catering, uh, bars. Uh, this is the first time we decided to do a truck. Um, and... Uh, it's been a very interesting learning curve. We've gotten a, a great opportunity to meet some of these other food truck guys, sort of learn the ins and outs of how this system works. And we, you know, maintain a certain level of normal with these food trucks. Uh, but again, I mean, as JJ's talked about, we, we want to go above and beyond just the normal food truck experience. So that's and we're not trying other... to be better than the other trucks because no, there's some no. fantastic trucks out here. There really is, and we've learned who those guys are. 
Yeah. Um, you know, but we, we are bringing what we hope is a unique experience to our guests. You know, beyond just the menu. Uh, with the you food. on with you on the truck, it most certainly <laughs> is a unique experience. Well, and, we're bringing, uh, <laughs> and we're bringing that into our culture with all of our staff too. Yeah. yeah. Because we, we we have expanded so much into into catering and lunches and things of that nature that we are onboarding quite a bit of people, and everybody's excited to work on the truck. That that's a new that's that's yeah that's it's, been fun. It's something different than you know, regular food service. It's like bartending with food. So there is that, that, that cultural engagement that you feel with the guest that only a bartender fills in, in this traditional hospitality environment. And so that's the way we're addressing it. So, you know, it's more of a bartending experience. Like, Hey Matt, how you doing? You want a sandwich today? Is it donkey balls again today? You know, that kind of thing. So we, we, it's always donkey we, we do balls. have followers. We do have, yeah. uh, you know, some, there's even a dog in this neighborhood that when he sees the truck coming down the street, it, it, it chases us down the street. Um, you know, and yeah. so we are, yeah. we are becoming a little bit of a rhino, like, um, I mean, it's not, icon is not a good word, but uh, a landmark yeah. in this neighborhood. A moving landmark. A moving landmark. <laughs> yeah. you know, we pop up in different spots. I have people wake me up on Sunday morning, where's the truck going to be at today? You know, and uh, and I got to try to look at a calendar and remember that, you know. And so we, we are, I hope we're doing the right things. And, you know, and I think that because of that engagement with the guest, they'll let us know if we're not, you know. And, and so we are, I think, doing it a little bit differently. And we want to continue that with the future concepts as well, too. And uh, it, this this has been so good so far that there are future concepts on the way. Very shortly, one. One, yeah. yeah. We have a new one coming out. Uh, uh, similar style, the way I've been explaining the personality of this new concept. We're going uh, by the name Pickle Chicken. Um, well, you're telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. So we have this new concept. Uh, the, the menu will be structured similarly to Gypsy Q, for those that don't know. Uh, we are essentially a build-it-yourself model focusing on southern barbecue with a lot of uh, Asian influence, like our uh, banh mi sandwich, uh, where you can put on uh, your choice of meats, the brisket, the pulled pork, and dewy sausage, so on. Uh, with this new concept, pickled chicken, um, it will be based around fried food. Uh, Fried chili cheese. Yep. (laughs) Honey, I made your favorite. (laughs) So JJ has already said he does not want to work that truck. Uh, He does not want to go home smelling like fried food every single day. It's going to ruin your complexion. Yeah. I I don't know that there's anything left to ruin about my complexion. (laughs) We're doing uh, little testers here and there through some of our lunch programs that we're also doing. So I actually tried out the uh, fried chicken sandwich uh, at a location. We were and, frying uh, chicken in a cubicle in an yeah. accounting department. We'll let we'll let we'll let the name of that office. You know who you are. Yeah. We'll let that one remain nameless. And, and, and some people were a huge fan, and then others not so much. People uh, that had to smell it right. all day long right. and not eat it. There was people from uh, other floors that really enjoyed the fried chicken. Yeah. And the people that were in the cubicle next to us did not. <laughs> But, no matter uh, how much you love fried chicken, <laughs> so so we're doing this this fried foods concept instead. We decided I wanted to just name the truck fried shit with cheese, but they yeah. wouldn't let me do that. Uh, City might have an issue with the, the permit or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so think uh, a Chick Fil A sandwich. <laughs> so and think, we're open on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's our cornerstone is this pickle brine chicken breast that's deep fried Uh, we'll also take the same brisket we have from Gypsy Q and deep fry the hell out of that 
So we'll bread that, deep fry it, put it on a sandwich. Yep. So wow. that's yeah. going to be a really Fried fun one. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that I, I haven't heard of other people doing it yet. Uh, and I, anyone that I've talked to has seemed surprised by this idea of breading a big slab of brisket and then deep frying it. Um, but it tastes really good. One of my favorite restaurants in the, in the Mountain Corridor is uh, uh, Northside Cafe. And they have a uh, chicken fried filet that they do. So they batter a filet, which we can all agree is the finest cut of beef that there is. Oh, they just desecrate it, but it's so And they roll good. it and hand batter it and fry it, and it's the best thing you've ever I mean, that's my mouth. favorite style of cooking right there. <laughs> when you just take something absolutely beautiful and, wreck and it. just yeah, <laughs> just make it absolutely horrific and disgusting I mean, you hate and amazing. you every yes. bite. You're like, I'm such a dumpster right now, and I love yeah. it. Every part about this is off. Can I dip this in ranch, please? Yeah. <laughs> It's so amazing. I mean, that's my that's my favorite uh, style of food these days. Is this this concept of people seem to to mistake me when I say uh, we'll go to a bar or whatever, and it's like this is shit food. This is absolutely amazing. It's shit food. This yeah. is what I wanted. My idea of shit food is very different from like this this concept of it being bad. It's amazing. It's delicious. It's shitty for you though. Fried shit with cheese. Yep. <laughs> And that's sort of what I wanted to bring with pickled chicken was, I mean, you know, we're, we're doing our, our kimchi mac and cheese, but deep frying it. Yeah. You're going to roll uh, it in a ball, kimchi yep. in the middle, freeze it, drop it in a fryer. Yep. <laughs> Make a deep fried mac and cheese ball. Uh, deep fried. Uh, you could just name the truck ra- Ragrets. Ra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that that should be You're coming gonna down. Remember me tomorrow. That's the name of that truck. <laughs> now we're deterring people. If you're on a diet, don't come here. No, we're yeah. not. Because everybody knows right. what they're doing when they're walking up to a oh, yeah. fried food truck. It's like, yeah. oh, well, and this, I don't. This is I, cheat day for sure. <laughs> I don't even eat fried food that much. But man, when I smell those fryers go off. Oh, it's I so mean, good. when we were when we were sitting next to Crescent City. Oh god. And I could smell their damn beignets like two trucks down type thing and i was like oh I that's one that. of my favorite trucks by the way is the crescent city connection they're they're phenomenal they do they're, they're actually from uh the pontchartrain area of louisiana oh so they're legit oh they're actually doing the thing you know there's a few cajun trucks rolling around i'm not real clear on whether or not they're you know they they hail from the the crescent of soul food but uh, these guys bring the a-game hard their beignets are rad they do boudin balls and their mufalata sandwich. Nick's really big on bread. And so, like, just getting the bright bread for our banh mi sandwich was, like, so much brain damage. I mean, we had to sample bread from, like, all over Denver. We wanted to source it locally. And, I mean, we went through everything, finally settled on the most expensive bread that there is, of course, that we could bring to the truck, which is we source it fresh daily from Vinchworm. I'm going to butcher it. Yeah, we're going to have some Vietnamese people that are very pissed with us when they hear us butcher the the wonder Vinchworm. The wonderful (laughs) Vietnamese bakery on Federal and Alameda that is fantastic. And their banh mi is off the hook, too. Yeah. And their spring rolls are great, too. So we source bread from there. These guys do the same thing with their the the bread that they use on their mufalata sandwich. They won't even tell me where the bakery is. That's how closely guarded of a secret it is. And... I mean, it, and it's really funny too because Cajun food quintessentially is, is it's 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 a melting pot of all different kinds of cultures and food from all over the place, 
and the, that's an Italian sandwich. I mean, it's capricole ham. It's, sure. It's, it's all kinds of different influences, done, but it's done better in that soul food way, and they brought that with them from the Crescent City. So uh, that is one of my favorite trucks. A little shout-out to my homies over at Crescent City. <laughs> Justin, I love you. <laughs> so take me through the... I want to ask two questions. So the, the division of the responsibilities, the labor, the partnership, and then how you guys met. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or either one in whatever. Well, we, we look at each other like a mirror every morning, yeah. and then we figure out what all there is to do, and then we go, here's your list, here's my list, and then we run around in circles and get it all done. I mean, you know, it, it, operationally, um, you know, it, I handle the night side is kind of the way we've cut it up. So everything yeah. that rolls on the food truck from where it's going to be at to where it's staged to how it's prepped out. Um, and, you know, and so I work on that end of the spectrum and then Nick jumps in whenever I need help from him at night, which is more frequent than it should be. Um, and then he does day side. So he handles actually smoking all the meat, our big custom smoker. Um, Sometimes I'll take it off, but I mean, that's pretty rare. That's if that 14 hour, you know, he'll, he'll come in at 4 a.m. and start smoking the meat. And if it's not done yet, by the time he needs to go home and sleep um, for, for the period of a day, then, then I'll take it off um, if, I, if I can, if I'm even there, if we're not dedicated to a yeah, site it's, already. It's, uh, I mean, it is division by, by hours, I think, more so than anything. When it comes down to operations, I mean, we do share. Uh, quite a few responsibilities and duties and everything but uh yeah for the most part it's a.m p.m um but you know he touches base with uh new potential locations as much as i do uh we both try to meet uh bar owners or brewery owners uh to sort of set up a relationship so it's not as if one of us is doing uh, a particular set of items and the other one isn't we're, we really are dividing there's a lot, a lot of, of work overlap. there yeah. yeah and I mean we're, and we collaborate on literally every aspect I mean there's some stuff that I don't want to get on me that's, yeah that's how I say it it was like I don't I don't want to get that on me today <laughs> it's like that's all you bro <laughs> that's you know? yeah yeah I don't want I don't want to do that, that that's that's you you know and, and and again it's an identification of strengths and weaknesses I mean Nick's good at uh, so much so many different things than I am. I'm real good about saying, I don't want to do that, you know? And so he, he will do that. And then vice versa. He's like, I don't want to talk to people. You go do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess the way, yeah, the way we've, we've, we've divvied this up a lot. I mean, I, over the past uh, couple months, I have noticed you do a lot of the verbal side and I do a lot of the written side of like uh, communication emails. he he hates writing <laughs> i hate talking uh as we're talking on a radio show <laughs> um yeah talk about uh division of time spent how much time he's been talking versus me um but uh yeah we we do try to keep every i i don't think our relationship is replicable uh in regard to business models Right. Um, I do think it has a lot to do with our friendship. Uh, as he put it, I do think that we balance each other very well. There are significant weaknesses I have and uh, significant strengths that he has that make my life easier. Uh, so, yeah, he definitely spends a lot of the time more so in the interaction of everything. Because, again, I'm, I'm a chef by trade. I mean, you really don't want me in front of these people too long. Uh, for the longest time, with how we met... Uh, which is exactly what you, you wanted to know is, is you know, 
a good indicator of who I used to be as a chef. I mean, I was that uh, stereotypical, pissed-off young chef that would throw crap if thing, uh, things didn't go my way. It was not unusual to see a, a skillet come sliding through the bar. Yeah, we, we, we talk about that with some of our new employees. It's like, really? That's not exactly how we see things these days. He styled it back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't throw things in front of everyone. I just throw them at JJ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten good at ducking. Yeah. <laughs> Heads up, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I met Nick. I mean, it's, man, it was 2000. Oh, I don't know. Eight, nine, ten. Something like that. 2010, I think. Yeah, 2010. It was like my first executive chef job. Uh, Where was that? Epernay Lounge, uh, which I don't even, I don't. They're closed now. Yeah, they changed ownership. And uh, they changed ownership. Well, clubs are only cool for 24 months. Yeah. And so that's the way the downtown scene works. So if you launch a new night spot, new hot spot, it's a beautiful place to be for the first 24 months. And then it changes. Everybody's on to the next new thing. Everybody's, in, and then the people that remain behind sometimes can be not the ones everybody wants to hang out with. And so, you know, it, 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 it's very common knowledge in that scene that, that, you know, you have your heyday and then it sunsets. And that's why you see so much turnover to the nightlife spots, specifically in Denver. I mean, you know, in, in different urban areas, I've seen different groups last longer, like Vegas. I mean, you have your your landmark facilities that seem to last 10 years, you know, and then they'll make a change or a rebrand. In Denver, it's a little bit hyper-paced with that. And I've seen that before in San Francisco, New York, where there's a very short light the fuse on this bottle rocket let's ride it close it and rebrand it might be the same ownership might be the same innovative people they just give everything a really fresh look and so one of my good friends was the uh, one of the owners of that place and I was involved in the construction of that I was actually a low voltage engineer for about 15 years and uh, he called me up whenever I had some spare time on my hands and uh, he said hey do you want a horrible job with really bad pay and the worst hours you could possibly imagine dealing with very inebriated guests. And I said, game on, sounds great. <laughs> and uh, I walked through the doors and, and with, a, with a totally different perspective on that business because I was there to bring it together from an operations perspective um, and, and not as the tech guy. But they did require a lot of that function as well too. They had a lot of systems in there, projectors and lighting and sound and stuff like that. So I think really more the job offering was to con me into coming in there for a lot less money to make sure that I was on top of that stuff. But it worked. <laughs> it, it was did. great. I uh, met a lot of people. It fit my personality. And then I met this guy. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had managed a lot of the uh, front of the house operations and made sure everyone was happy while I was cooking out of a kitchen that was probably the about... The size of a phone booth. Yeah, it was pro <laughs> probably about... Uh, a little bit smaller than our food truck, actually. Wow! They wanted a um, restaurant in this place, but they they, they, want, they made the not, bar not just any restaurant seven hundred feet long. Yeah, it was, and then it, they made the kitchen the size of this picnic table. Yeah, and it, that's not even being ridiculous. It they was wanted the smallest it, kitchen I've ever seen. They wanted it to be this upscale, fine dining, from scratch kitchen. And actually, ironically, I took the job from one of my then, who would end up becoming one of my mentors. Uh, Dewey Pham. And uh, so he was the Brilliant executive chef. chef for the opening of Epernay Lounge. 
Uh, they worked with immersion circulation, cryovac systems, induction burners, convection. We didn't even have a hood system in there. So a microwave and two and two hot plates. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, fancy fancy microwave, fancy hot plates. Like a glamorous dorm room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That so, was the idea, but. That actually worked. When sous vide is a is, is becoming a more popularized way to cook your food, even for people at home, and it and it's a great way to prep if you don't have a lot of time. And then you essentially put this device in a pot that's called an immersion circulator. You program it to the time. They even make one. We we've, we've got one that we use. They have hold. an app for it now. And they've got an app on your yeah, phone, so you can sit there yeah. and say, "I want to hold it at this," and it tells you when it's a temp and timer and everything. Yeah. And so you can cryovac your food and put it in a bag and then when you're ready to cook it you slap it in this pot and it brings it up to temp and it'll hold it like a steak for instance at a perfect medium rack yeah it's coast to coast red I mean so and I still actually even when cooking steaks at home uh, still maintain a similar method using dry heat but that's a whole different thing I I have a very particular taste with uh, uh, proteins in particular that's sort of my focus and all of this that's you know barbecue uh, but yeah, the way we do steaks um, in that immersion circulation process gets that coast to coast red. So as soon as it's at your your perfect 140 degrees, uh, you get it out of the bag, uh, and then you just sear it, and you get that nice crisp crust, uh, and then you cut through it, and it's just tender in the perfect temperature from end to end. Uh, so I recommend anyone trying that out. There's also another method where you do it in an And it oven. sounds fancy, too. Yeah, sous vide. <laughs> uh, it's French. It's yeah. French. That's right. Right? But they know how to cook it. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we, we basically ended up uh, meeting through this Epernay Lounge or whatnot. Uh, we were both in sort of weird points of our lives. And our crazies matched. Uh, so... Uh, There's since, a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Uh, since then, I mean, we've, we've maintained a really strong friendship over the years. I mean, he hasn't always... We, we haven't always been active in each other's professional lives. This is the first time that we've... I mean, since Epernay, this is truly the first time, except for that stint at Hideaway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, yeah, <laughs> which is a whole other fun story, actually. Right uh, uh, this is your show. But uh, we, uh, JJ can tell you the story about how he became uh, promoted to, uh, oh, what was it, Pr- promoted to... Let's keep that one in a box guest. for another time. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is the first time that we've actually spent this much time together professionally. Uh, and it's been great. I mean, it's absolutely great. He pushes my limits. Uh, he pisses me off. Every day. But it's a good thing, actually. Without him, I don't think we would have been able to take off the the way in which we have so far. See, I don't think conflict necessarily is a bad thing in a relationship. It's well, how you handle it and how you manage it. It is. Yeah. It is. I don't think we have a lot of conflict. And tomato, tomato. Yeah. I'm trying to handle it more constructively, I think. I mean, you know, because again, you know, we, we've had very different lives and they've converged at this point. And I mean, what, what I noticed about Nick and, and what prompted me to make sure that I, I held on to this human being as a friend was because I mean, just instant kinsmanship for sure. But 
I've, I've always been intrigued by artistic people because I am not. I'm only good at one thing, and that's talking to people. And, and I've gotten really good at that in my life. Um, and I've always wanted to be more artistic and talented than I am. And so I attach myself to people that are. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's what I've, I, I guess what always intrigued me about Nick is because no matter what anybody says, no matter what's going on, no matter what guest perception is, he's still very committed to um, a very uh, analytical process of the way he develops menus, and everything that he touches is amazing. And, 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 that's, and that's tough whenever there's all these ideals, just like with the barbecue. You know, we, we, again, I say we don't do barbecue because we truthfully don't. The way, from the way that we smoke the meat, from the way that we prepare everything is very different from a traditional aspect, but it comes out. The finished product is as good, if not better, than most traditional barbecue, but more importantly, it's more consistent. That was serendipitous. There's no smoke and mirrors. He says serendipitous, but it's an immense amount of talent and a, and a perspective of not getting locked into, oh, there's this one way to do that. I, I always use the example of, because I'm a purist. I'm from Southeast Texas, family from South Louisiana. I spent a lot of time there as a child, and I'm a purist with that cuisine. And I don't like eating it outside of that area, less my buddies on that truck, Crescent City Connection. And, you know, I've always joked with Nick, and one of the big jokes for years was like, I can barbecue better than you, which is bullshit. And he made that true. My grandfather used to spend six hours making a roux base for a gumbo, and it was my favorite thing to eat growing up. And it was just comfort for me and beauty and everything. And I told this man, you can't replicate that. There's no fucking way you can do that. And he, he literally came back 45 minutes later and jacked a tasting spoon into the back of my mouth, and it was better than my grandfather's gumbo. Mom, I'm sorry. And, and, so, and, and so it occurred to me at that moment there is other ways to do things. And again, that was my grandfather's way of preparing that. And that's the traditional in the book way to do that, to make a roux for hours and hours till your house smells like somebody set a cat on fire and let it run around. And it's horrible. And I still remember the roux days in the house when my mom was making gumbo or my grandfather was making gumbo. And it was just, it was awful. It stunk. I remember that. But the end product was beauty and, and, and comfort. And then this asshole replicates something better than the original product, but still with those same components of that that emotional comfort food that was so good, I had to eat my own words. And he's done that over and over again. I was like, I'm from Texas, boy. You can't barbecue better than me. <laughs> and then he does Texas-style southern smoked meats better than any I've ever had to the point where even – the godfathers that live in this town that do barbecue, that do it right, that's, I mean, like, literally, it, it's a science for them, even further beyond where we take it. They're like, yeah, that's really good brisket. You know, I mean, like, Carl over at Albert, I was yeah. terrified to feed that guy my brisket. <laughs> we actually set up at our mutual friend brewery. That's one of our sites. Great and spot. He's, and he's building his brick and mortar in the corner. He used to be over at Fence Manor, and he has gigantic smoker pits out there. And I, I would be, I would challenge you to find somebody that's more knowledgeable about the actual well, cuts he, of meat, how you smoke them, the exact right way to do it. This guy is a 
fucking scientist when it comes to making barbecue. Well, he he spent time with Aaron Franklin down in Franklin uh, or down with Franklin Barbecue in Austin, and yeah. who's widely considered like one of the uh, masters of the the Godfathers of, the of, of yeah. <laughs> and and speaking of someone that does put focus into to the science uh, behind it, uh, Aaron Franklin, for a guy that that. Honestly, had I mean, he grew up down there in Texas and everything, uh, but he didn't really start smoking professionally uh, till a few years prior to um, uh, opening up Franklin Barbecue. And you know, I basically wanted to emulate to a certain degree his uh, attention to detail and his uh, desire to understand exactly what's going on with the meats. So, I mean, though growing up in Virginia and doing Carolina-style barbecue and the whole pig and the the pork butts and everything like that, uh, I hadn't really touched uh, Texas-style barbecue. And then he did it Um, better. And I was like, You You buy his book, you read it through (laughs) and through, um, this is how I did it. I mean, I, I bought his book. I read it through and through. Uh, understood his his mentality with uh, picking your proper wood, uh, developing your rubs, uh, uh, your timetables for smoking and everything, all the, the stuff that barbecue aficionados uh, uh, slave over every single day. And, you know, you sort of learn it. And from there you sort of throw it away. Uh, you, you memorize it, you learn it, but then you stop thinking so much. And I think that's where the barbecue started to get better. Because, I mean, my first few goes, I mean, as with anyone that really starts like, going... What, like a year and a half smoking meats before you even fed me in? Anything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's how I, big this deal was. Well, I Because mean, I, I can make some mean barbecue. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah, I mean, for me, so I started off, I mean, I'd started to get uh, some some... Uh, social media interest through my reverse sear steaks. Uh, typically, or uh, m- more specifically, the chuck roast that I would do in a reverse sear method, doing smoking at like a low and slow, 170 degrees, uh, and then grill it hard. And uh, I started to notice uh, as I got associated with the barbecue community online, um, I-, I noticed how, how friendly everyone. And that was such a cool thing for me. Uh, Because, I mean, coming from fine dining where everyone was so cutthroat. I mean, your best best friend who's sitting next to you on uh, the station next to you uh, will be there to help you out and be there to prep with you and all that other stuff. But if there's a chance that he can take your job, then he will slit your throat. I mean, that's just the way it works. Uh, so it was great to go into a community where it's like, I mean, even in, in these these cutthroat competitions, uh, guys would, you know, give advice to each other. It's like, oh, this is how I uh, uh, smoked my brisket or this is how I trimmed my brisket. Uh, so I really enjoyed that community. Um, and then I also enjoyed when I started doing it at the restaurant uh, where I was the chef at the time, Hideaway. Uh, everyone was happy. It, I mean, you know, I didn't put out my best barbecue then, and yet still people really enjoyed it, and people wanted to talk about it and everything. So felt like it was time to really start focusing on barbecue a bit more, and what better way than to put focus on the king of all meats, the brisket. Uh, Cow so, titties. Yeah. So, 
So I put a ton of focus on brisket. People get really confused when I say that because they're thinking udder, and I'm like, no, 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 it's not the, it's this part, the front of the cow, yeah. cow titties. It's the, Where else do you find titties? The, right? the, yeah, Look at a map. Well, I it's mean, really on beef the cow. belly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, speaking of, if you actually uh, cure a brisket slab and treat it a lot like uh, bacon, uh, you, you can get some killer beef bacon if you do it We're just right. It one of these days. Yeah, it's a it's a more of a process than pork belly, but it's really fun uh, when you do it right. Uh, Not a really practical menu item for the truck, but we'll do as a special yeah someday whenever we get ahead of the game a little bit. I was about to say one of these days when I'm bored, I've yet to see that day. Nope. Yeah, I've, I've kept very. I mean, and so well going back to sort of how we ended up in the method that we do with smoking because JJ's right. I mean, I don't do traditional style of smoking. I'm not going to go over into mass detail because we would we can't actually tell have, the fucking secrets, yo. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we we can't give away our trade secrets, and I have a feeling that we would probably get uh, uh, blasted with how dare you desecrate the good name of barbecue with the way I do things. But it's it is not that bad. No, Let's it, add some fake not. beeps. Just pretend yeah. you're talking. I'll add yeah. some fake sensor beeps. So we'll be <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, and then this we is how do we do it. it. Just yeah. like this, revealing <laughs> gypsy Q secrets. Yeah. <laughs> So we, um, it, it came out of necessity. I guess it was sort of serendipitous, but it came out of necessity. I had to find this way of doing things. I almost burned down the smoker two times. Three. Uh, three. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the second time was the time where I had actually uh, finally said, okay, enough's enough. We, so our smoker is, uh, we, we built it out ourselves. Uh, same with our food truck. It's like fully custom build. Uh, the the pain of doing such an awful project. I uh, don't know if I would do it again. Probably build another smoker again. Oh, yeah. uh, but I don't think I would build another truck again. That was a fucking terrible thing We found some really good guys. Do. Yeah. <laughs> they like doing it. Um, we think they're better at it than we are. <laughs> but we're, we're essentially a cabinet-style smoker. I mean, a lot like what we, a lot of us uh, home cooks do where we don't want to stay up all night and smoke meats we have these cute little uh boxes that have an electric coil they smoke woods and chip uh wood uh wood chips and you put a timer on it and you're good to go um we essentially replicated that using propane uh because i only have so many hours in a day i do not use a traditional offset although at home i do Again, for all those barbecue people, I'm, I'm not that fake. Uh, <laughs> um, we made a giant, like... Well, and that was another part about it, though, is, is actually... So before I even considered doing this professionally and everything, I made sure I knew how to smoke on every type of smoker. So uh, reverse offset, uh, offset your traditional, what you see going down the road or, or at these hole-in-the-wall barbecue joints, uh, your traditional offset smoker, uh, the cabinet smoker, um, Traeger smokers, uh, the commercial-size old smokies that are essentially Traeger uh, cabinet smokers, stuff like that. I've smoked on all of these uh, before doing that. There's so a, we there's settled... A, there's a ton of gimmicks in yeah. the barbecue market, <laughs> Right? Too. Oh, yeah. No, there are. Uh, so I wanted to design something that was... Um, capable of me teaching other people how to do it. Novice smokers are employees. Uh, 
people that don't have a ton of experience with it. And there wasn't a fear of uh, the integrity of the meat being screwed up because someone, uh, you know, forgot to... Didn't stack the exact right size piece of wood in yeah. an offset and keep the temperature just perfect and adjust the airflow and all those nuances or, to using an offset. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to do that right. And that's how Albert does it. And a lot of the greats do. Yeah. We've seen a lot of commercial restaurants that go to big cabinet smokers that are auger fed with pellets. So we haven't gone that far down the road. No, we and actually, I don't think we will because, yeah. I mean, I hate the taste of pellets. Uh, they're, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I've been sort of engineering in the back of my mind uh, is how do we create that same level of... Control. Simplicity, control, and functionality, uh, while still maintaining the traditional flavor. We're building so, robots. Yeah, so we're we're yeah. we're planning on we're trying to figure out a way to uh, program a, a setup where you can use real wood, not these pellets. Um, it keeps breaking. And then yeah, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you know the right type of smoke and how do we you know, maintain the smoke when it happens, how it happens, temperature control, all that other stuff. So we do that every once in a while. Um, I've been toying with some actual designs on paper, utilizing like some really crazy stuff, boiler gear with the actual Johnson control systems. I was, I, again, I was a low voltage engineer for my professional career for 15 years. I was one for 10. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, you fill it. So, I mean, trying to bring some science to it a little bit, Nick gets really excited about stuff like that. And yeah. then we realize how difficult it is and expensive to actually engineer that stuff. And then we just go back to, we just put the, some wood chips in the smoker. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and it, it used to be logs. So I, I, this is how we had come up with this process. We, like I had told you before, we caught this thing on fire yeah. a couple of times. And uh, <laughs> it, it came down to, you know, grease drippings, catching onto a log, which then would, uh, as well as getting in the drip pan, and then the flame from the log, if you weren't paying attention to it every 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, the, I personally know would, the eyes of judgment of a car wash owner as I'm pressure washing out a giant two-horse trailer with a smoker pit built into it, <laughs> into his trap or whatever that grade is that everybody's seen yeah. in a car wash before. It's not a great look. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She's either like, are you going to keep doing that? That's not mud. <laughs> no. Yeah, we, it, it got really bad a couple of times. So we, we fixed it. We did. <laughs> I'll introduce you to my friend Casey, who works for um, industrial, I'm blanking on his name, but he's in the oil and gas industry. Oh, nice. So he does combustors. Oh, yeah. So if you guys want to talk all that granular stuff about fire and smoke and flame and that stuff, I'll put you in touch with Casey. I like it. No, that would be amazing, actually. Because, I mean, this was (laughs) one direction. way to blow some meat 400 feet there. (laughs) (laughs) Meat cannon. (laughs) Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that we we're, we're not entirely sure where we're going to end up with this concept. We have no idea. I mean, we don't know if we're going to make more gypsy cues. I mean, I, our direction is to have a few more trailers, but we're not sure how big we're going to actually make gypsy cue. That's why we have pickle chicken. Um, that one's going to expand out pretty quickly, we feel. Uh, I think that satisfies also the necessity for 
creation. I mean, you know, again, like the Gypsy Q is built, it works, it's great, it's a wonderful concept, and keeping that consistent is what we're most committed to, and not playing with that menu too much because, it, it, again, it's becoming a landmark favorite in the Rhino area, and just, again, keeping that passion alive for that because it is really cool the way that it is, and we don't want to mess that up. You know, until just everybody gets tired of it, then we'll do something else. But, yeah. you know, creating new concepts and fun concepts. Again, we, we don't see ourselves franchising this out into where there's a gypsy queue on every corner. Um, it's not a Starbucks, you know, but definitely a couple of more. You know, I mean, we, we see a lot of people inviting us to festivals and special events. Um, we, we uh, yeah. I don't know if we can really confirm anything at this point with some of the bigger events that we've got going on. Not quite yet. Yeah, uh, going back into Bellarama, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So definitely our, our direction for this coming uh, uh, late spring into summertime is uh, putting a lot of focus into the festivals, uh, maintaining our relations with the Rhino area, of course. That's why we do want to open up a second Gypsy Q trailer. Uh, so then we'll have three of them, a pickle chicken, and then two Gypsy Qs. Uh, so that way we can bounce around to festivals, hang out in our neighborhood, and uh, sort of enjoy everything associated with all of these different environments. And we very fortuitously come into some fantastic staff, too. I mean, again, it's the people that make Gypsy Q so special. And, I mean, the culture that we've been able to breed amongst the people that we've, we've brought into it, they share our passion for it, the staff engagement the friends that we've made in the neighborhood, the fellow business owners. I mean, everything has really come together and surrounded us with a lot of love. And, and, and again, it's because we're not the standard food truckers. We're not just coming in here, blasting out some food and leaving. You know, we, we, we maintain friendships with all the businesses. We feed their staff. We, you know, carry food into them. We go above and beyond. There's not a food truck that I know of, in, in Denver at least, that does table service. We carry stuff into the facility and into the restaurant. I mean, an improper city is a fantastic location. We knew that very early on whenever we saw that. You know, I, I didn't at first. I had no idea they were building a food truck park or they were a part of the Rayback Collective. And so the first time I sat on the curb out in front of this place in the rain, I was like, "Do we really have to do this?" And then I saw. <laughs> so yes, and then you I do. Saw, and then I we saw the design and I saw the layout and I saw what was coming and I'm like, "Oh, I get it." You know. And we're 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 now going to be the turnkey truck here. I mean, this truck is going to live here, or a Gypsy Q truck is going to live here six days a week during the days for lunches, and then two nights a week at bare minimum and then they are, they're always inviting us to come back and do I mean even just this Friday they ask us hey we got a truck canceled can you bring the truck in again and we're like well just leave it there guys you know <laughs> I mean and so until people don't love it we'll keep doing this thing and I, I don't see that coming because it is a, a unique comforting product and I mean I know that Andrew from Movement that just walked up to the truck right now he has eaten here I don't know Every probably time 43 times <laughs> yeah. and then he seems to come find us like we just did pray for snow with rei thank you rei for inviting us down for that <laughs> there was you know they only invited they only invite two trucks a year for that wow and they invited us for that we fed 1500 people in like 
two and a half hours. It was absolute chaos, and then the wind came through and blew the event away, and uh, we, we folded up shop and skedaddled. That's but, Colorado. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it, and, and so he found us there. I mean, we got people that chase us around the neighborhood here, and as long as we're not too far away, that's great. But we still get the call to the mountains to go to Estes Park and to go to hopefully Steamboat for Winter Wondergrass. They're very interested in us, and, and we're in the final stages of approval for that. And maybe we'll take the chicken for that. The pickle chicken. How well the truck will make it up the mountain again. So we did Estes Park. We got another uh, truck. We'll push it. Yeah. Up there with it. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we started doing Estes Park this past summer, and uh, Arlene at the barrel. Or, no, it's not Arlene. What's her name? Uh, uh, Ingrid. 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 Yeah. The barrel. The, the barrel in Estes Park. Uh, started doing that this past summer, and it was just such a fun thing. Just like spend the weekend up in Estes Park with the, your truck at the gates to Rocky Mountain National yeah. Park. So that's a part of this business is that it's different it's different for us. It's not a brick and mortar. We're not stuck in the same place every day. The places that we are at, we don't feel stuck at. We feel like we're a part of the family or a part of the neighborhood. And then we get to go do you know, the same thing but in a different place a lot and to relocate an entire business to Estes Park for the weekend. That's magic. I mean, you know, and I, I think that a lot of people desire a, a professional career like that where they can go do different stuff in different places, and, and, and that's something that we've really placed a lot of importance on is not being stuck in the grind, doing different things. I mean, and Nick's right. I mean, you know, my concept was to train everybody in this group to be able to do everything, and he's like, that won't work, and I'm like... Probably not, you know, and, and then, you know, of course he was right. We cross-trained one of our guys over into another concept, and, you know, he was like, it's, it was pretty good, but it was super weird that the bread was on the right, you know, and I was like, God <laughs> damn, yeah, it just made it was Nick good. right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, stop it. <laughs> Dylan, I'm talking to you. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and, he, and he is right. So, I mean, people that will be a part of the gypsy family will be a part of that gypsy family. The pickle will be its own thing. But I think that we've got a lot of fun and touring around and I think that morale will be really easy to keep up because, I mean, it's like, it's a lot of work. I mean, every day is like packing for an epic expedition, you know. And some people are like, well, I packed for a picnic one time. And I'm like, yeah, that, but for 600 people, you know. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's that, you know. And then the chaos that surrounds equipment failures and the planning that goes into it. And that's what Nick's good at. He over plans and agonizes everything. And I tell him to calm down. And then I'm glad that he didn't because what promote so much fluidity success and we just nail it every fucking time and it blows my mind because that's not me that's for sure i'm the guy that forgets the cash box three days a week at the, at the, at the <laughs> it's office. now on the prep list yeah no it's literally on the, it's prep, on list. the prep don't list. forget don't the, forget the cash, cash box, box. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> exclamation 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 you know and because again he agonizes i execute that's what makes us work for real. And then again, all of our staff is phenomenal. But it shows. <clears throat> and when you were saying about people will stop loving it, I don't think that would happen unless you guys stop loving it. We're not gonna. And that was right. actually a really big thing for me in getting this whole company started. Uh, I, I started the the company, the actual entity, uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Like I, well, I mean, I guess I did actually. I, I had a very specific plan about what I wanted to do, and nothing was going my way. 
Uh, I was pissed. I was angry. I was not enjoying my life. Uh, and uh, a few things happened uh, in my life where, where I had to snap too. And I, I took this hiatus uh, and was like, what, what the hell am I cooking for? I'm not happy. He didn't sell out. He they bought in. Yeah. He went I, corporate for a little while. Well, yeah, and, and the back it, end of commercial food production. You know. <laughs> so why why am I cooking anymore? Why why do I do this? Because I wasn't happy cooking. Because um, I was so stressed about creating this this perfect vision in my head, uh, and it took a very compulsive still to be seen as being possibly one of the worst ideas of buying a party bus. Uh, <laughs> and dirty. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> original name on the back of that thing was Done Dirty. Uh, they, they, they had gotten custom stickers that said Done Dirty on it. Yeah. That's and commitment right there. That's, <laughs> and that's how Gypsy Q came to be, was a compulsive decision to buy a party bus from a pawn shop in Thornton. It was going to be a burnout RV before. I was like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> and we started building it from there. And and Gypsy Q, what what is now Gypsy Q, sort of taught me to be a little bit more fluid and relaxed with everything and to love what I do. And as soon as we stop loving what we do, then we know something's wrong. We're going to be looking into why we don't love it. And we're going to make the changes necessary uh, to ensure that our passion still shows. Uh, we haven't seen those yet, and I don't think we will. I mean, this is still really fun. Uh, it's still really enjoyable, and there's no end in sight in regard to that happiness that uh, I get from smoking this meat every day. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be... <laughs> We, <laughs> we we got we got our biggest fan over here holding up a napkin. With, uh, oh, we need a photo. Of this. Yes, <laughs> first outdoor podcast, first fan. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, we love you too. So put your pants back on. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's an animal, too. So I, I've skydived a fair bit, and I took a break because I decided to have children. Yeah. And I didn't want to leave them fatherless. And so, oh, but he's going to get me back into it. He's actually a tandem instructor, and he invited me the other day to do what's called a squirrel suit rodeo. And I was like, go on. Wow. And so I've never done the squirrel suiting stuff because I like life. And it, a lot of that has to do with really like close to ground action and, and directional movement while falling out of an airplane. And so, but I can ride him on his back while he does the squirrel suit. And it's literally a squirrel suit rodeo. <laughs> In the air. In the air. I'm into it. And I was like, I don't know what that is. But I'm in. And then he showed me a picture. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're definitely doing that. And so we're going to do that, uh, I think, two weeks from today. Oh, wow. Are you yeah. wearing a shoot, too? Well, oh, yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to run me through ground school again. I haven't jumped right. in 11 years. So oh, I have to wow. do all the recertifications and get my logbooks back up and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's just falling out of a plane. I think I'll remember how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, this is awesome. Dude, um, thanks. I... 
I, I hate the word foodie and I, I oh, love shit yeah. food. Like, huh. Huh. like yeah. yeah. Huh. Right? Somebody says, I'm a foodie. I'm like, cool. I'm a you restaurant reviewer on Yelp. Uh, oh, yeah. Have oh, you seen that South Park Oh, episode? my God. Yes. <laughs> I was so excited. And we're going to get I was so excited when I saw an article that Yelp is, like, taking a huge hit right 20% now. 20% down. Oh, yeah. 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 I love it. The pay-for-play scandal, <clears throat> all the bullshit. I had Yelp call me as a business owner one time and says, well, you got a negative review here, but... We can screen those reviews if you want to buy into our premium package. And I was like, this feels like mafia-level extortion right, right now. How about you go insert bleep here yourself oh, I, as hard as you can? Yeah, that was the fun part. I still actually have a Yelp, a Yelp bottle opener. <laughs> hey, we're Yelp. We're going to ruin your life. Here's a keychain. Yeah. We, we had an event, funny enough, at Epernay. Yeah. It was a Yelp event, and uh, they were giving away keychains. I've maintained this keychain the entire time to remind me how much I hate them. I, and I finally realized what Yelp was whenever I was looking for the address of a Denny's in Boulder, Colorado one time, and I pulled it up. And it was a Yelp ad at the top of the list because they staged their marketing really well. And I clicked on it just for the address. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to fall into this hole. I started scrolling down because it had like one review. I don't know. It's like a friend wanted to meet at Denny's or something at Boulder, you know. <laughs> and, and I started scrolling down to these one-star reviews all the way down. And I'm like, it's a Denny's, guys. Yeah. You know, but it was the best complaints. I mean, it was just like people just tearing this Denny's apart. And I'm like, have you ever been to a Denny's before? What the fuck well, were you expecting? And again, I remember when we were – when I was first designing the idea of Gypsy Q – one of the biggest things was, you know, guest interaction and its association with Yelp. Uh, so I was like, well, we're inevitably, if we get on Yelp, we're inevitably going to have a bad review. So how do we handle the bad review? Do we do we try to make it better or do we just spiral out of control? Just crush them with and fire. Just, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and, you know, just become a, a, a viral in, uh, Hashtag uh, sensation. Uh, go savage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I was, like, contemplating the idea of allowing uh, my, uh, the employees to, like, 86 a guest if they wanted to. And I was like, well, if a guest is going to be a bitch, then, you know, just we don't have those, play though. into that. No, we haven't. We occasionally, we'll have a really inebriated guest get really confused about shit. And that's the <laughs> best. That's my favorite because then that's my opportunity to really make sure that this person remembers that we love them, but they were also hammered out of control. I mean, to the point of where, I mean, we had a girl walk up to the truck that literally says Gypsy Q on it and has a very clear menu and say, have some pizza. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, no, she goes, slice of pepperoni. And you're like, wait, what? She, she didn't even ask her. She was just like, I just want a slice of pepperoni. I mean, like, it was uh, a perfect Wednesday we... night to get just... <laughs> out of control hammered and she took full <laughs> advantage of it and you know and again we were very kind to her i had a dude stop by the truck just the other night at ratio at, at, uh yeah ratio who had been out of control this dude danced in front of our truck for 30 minutes at epic one night made me put his phone on the speaker so he could listen to the music and dance <laughs> and i just let him rip and he, the kid had moves he was nice. from shy town this kid was kicking it he was going off he was the most he was he even he stopped back by at ratio and he's like by the way i'm really sorry for being so obnoxious <laughs> the other night but you guys were awesome and so i don't know that we would really entice negative reviews i think the problem with yelp is, is it's just a platform yeah. for people that have nothing better to do in their life 
than complain. And it's really obvious that that's incentivized. And people use that as a threat to almost extort businesses sometimes. It's really awkward. Well, but, I mean, honestly, I've left nothing but good reviews on Yelp. I've left no, I, I think that good reviews are more believable i don't know or useful uh, yeah i mean, I mean so when people fall south down, park hit the nail on the head with that episode though <laughs> i mean they they did it was absolutely amazing and that's how i view yelp both positive and negative reviews it's like if you have the time to seriously write this i mean you you obviously need to find some better application of that time yeah uh you know a woman and, and, or a man or go for a run yeah read a book and, and i don't I mean, if really, you're really hung over and you're mad at your wife and you want to rip somebody apart and be my guest do it on yelp about that restaurateur that you didn't like or you were inappropriate at but i mean again i think that like the forum's a little bit misplaced well, and, someone, and it needs to be curated a little bit better you know? someone put this to me in a great way and they were right it's like you know I don't know what John's tastes are. Why, why would I listen to a complete stranger? I don't know who John is with with their it's no 50 reviews All right. or whatnot. I have no idea who this guy is. John may be a fucker who just hates everything barbecue. And, you know, <laughs> I love barbecue. But he's inevitably going to write a bad review about barbecue. So fuck John. So, but I don't know John. I don't know his personal taste. I don't know anything and about I hate movie reviews too because yeah. I'm such a lowbrow. I mean, you know, if there's not titties or something that explodes in the first like 15 minutes of a movie, I'm out. <laughs> and so, whenever somebody's like, well, you know, this piece of garbage movie that, you know, we had gratuitous nudity and violence in it, you know, I was like, I'm in. It only got one star in Rotten Tomatoes. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> Sharknado, <laughs> right? Oh man! Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think food trucks can be a little bit like that. We've gone out, we've eaten at every food truck that there is around, you know. And again, there's ones we love. There's ones that are like, eh, you know, yeah. but that doesn't mean that we. Well, well, and again, I guess the biggest thing is doesn't mean that we're the end all be all or the say so in what's a good food truck or what's no. a good bite to eat. I mean, even as a professional, um, I, I can't tell you what your tastes are. You, you can like something that I don't like. And just because I do this professionally and you don't doesn't mean that your tastes are bad. I mean, we all have different tastes. So why, and everybody's why would, got an opinion, too. Yeah. So so yeah. why why would I listen I to the opinion? I roll on that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love it when people get so fired up about sports or political opinion. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm not in this fight with you. <laughs> I like, stir those pots. I just I mean, that, those are my favorite. Down. I'm like, I'm well, glad you're we'll so just, personally invested in your opinion. <laughs> Well, uh, that's really all it is. You realize that, right? <laughs> that's still my favorite thing. Sports fans as a whole are still my favorite. Uh, one of my uh, good buddies, huge Broncos fan, uh, a few years ago when the Ravens went on to win the Super So being yep. from Virginia, Baltimore's uh, my team. Uh, Ravens went on to win that Super Bowl that year. I and he, that. The Broncos. <laughs> he would not talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> he would not talk to me for two weeks. But I also poked and prodded the him every single day. Tomorrow, Ravens suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was—it's my favorite thing to do. It's like I, I don't understand how people get so worked up about fandom. Uh, it's a game. Yeah. I love watching games. I mean, I'm a—I'm a Ravens fan. They're a very disappointing I think team, it's oftentimes. And well, and you know, yeah. I went to Virginia Tech, and you know, I watch a Virginia Tech football game. I'm gonna get like excited about it. But I also know they're a disappointment. 
every single time I watch them. I, I was born into being in Dallas, <laughs> yeah. so I'm used to disappointing. Yeah, you know? so so I go into it. Got a cool stadium. You know, enjoying watching the game, hope for my team to win. But, you know, at the end of the day, they lose. Oh, well. You know, no skin off my back on that one. Uh, I'm not personally invested. I don't own anything associated with it. Why would I care how they're doing? Uh, so I've never understood fandom as a whole. But... You know, that's just me. I, I really think we need to focus on how to like tap like uh, people's like loyalty traits. So I think from a business perspective, you know, I, we, we already have wars. a lot. Yeah, food truck wars. That's what we need to do. So yeah. no, we were actually talking about. <laughs> we're going to do that <laughs> internally. For we're, sure. we're doing it internally. Actually, that was that was a fun one. So I, I devised this idea when we get pickled chicken rolling. Uh, we're going to have both of them at uh, a festival, opposite sides of the food truck park area in these uh, festivals. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna have a potato cannon, load it with fried chicken. I'm gonna shoot it at the we're gypsy food truck. Do the truck. disclaimer for the ATF <laughs> yeah. now. This is we're not actually going to have a yeah. cannon on the truck. Yeah. Compressed air. No, yeah, compre- we're, there we go. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna actually have pirate flags. That pirate we flags. Out. We're yeah. like a chicken like dangling like you know the gypsy pig from a noose. Yeah. You know. So raising people are gonna wonder. It's like man, they these two trucks These guys really are really hate into it. Be like what? the Hatfield McCoys. <laughs> Why do they hate each other so much? No one's going to know that it's actually us, both of them in the same company. <laughs> I think they'll figure it out. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, the the funny the pickle chicken's going to be matte black. It's going to be the same typeface. It's going to be lime green and pink instead of blue and pink. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's going to look very similar. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely a desire to create a little bit of a, a rivalry. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. The colors. <laughs> yeah, those are, yeah, the pickle colors right there. The ugliest colors we could find that stand out that make you remember that that chicken was oh so good. Well, what I want to say is that I've eaten a lot of restaurants, eaten at a lot of restaurants, eaten at a lot of food trucks, but you guys were an experience. Huh. And it was just fun. And, like, you talked about the bread for the banh mi, and it was just there's an attention to detail, but that has to be coupled with the passion. And it was not just a food truck. Like that that whole day that I was hanging out here, I was watching that mural be painted. I met you guys. I hung out on that patio. and I just was coming down. I forgot there was a Broncos game. I forgot there was a Rockies <laughs> game. I kept going north until I found a parking space. <laughs> you know, so I went through Lodo and all the way. It was like, well, shit, I'm going to Rhino. But that whole day was just magical and i tell when i tell that story about the mural and finding improper city i talk about gypsy q and i oh, talk this place about is you magical. and God, it's, it's so like cool it's just i don't remember very many food trucks but i'll never forget yours because it was a fucking experience awesome and, a, and a, an amazing experience that's what we're going for every day so and and everybody in our group is going for that too i mean you, you know. can tell it shows yeah. They like they like it, you know, and, and and we do keep tabs on that every day. We want everybody to like it every day, and if we can keep, I mean, again, there's aspects of everybody's job they don't like, you know, or it's not their favorite. But we're trying to vacuum all of that out of hospitality and keep it where yeah, it matters. That that was one of our biggest things, and and you know, when developing our, our mission and our our inspiration and our goal. Um, I've had the pleasure of working in some awful restaurants (laughs) uh, and working for some awful people. Uh, And I I hate to admit it, at one point in time, I I was probably one of those awful people. 
and <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, yeah, throwing the frying pans and yeah. I, I actually, uh, up until recently, Our still maintained. Cost has gone down yeah. dramatically. <laughs> it's all paper goods now. That's yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I actually kept uh, three of the frying pans that I had broken uh, as a reminder uh, to you know not be that person again. Have fun. Uh, yeah. And that we're having fun. And, and I'm really happy. This has been the the most uh, odd experience to actually have as many people as we have who wanted to work for us. Uh, people that we have just met once. I mean, I just met someone on uh, the gondola at Breck, and she was in Food and Bev, and she was like, you guys sound amazing. Can I just... Yeah. We're you know, filming can I work? out here one day for a TV show of some of the people that stood in and, and were essentially our, our guests in the filming, like Drayton. She's, yeah. She, she has interest and wants to come work. Yeah, so we've had random people just want to work for us. And so this has been absolutely amazing to have that. Uh, and, and we want to continue that. One of the, as I was getting ready to say, the biggest thing that I want to turn upside down in this industry is not the food that we make. Uh, it's the experiences that we give, uh, more particularly with our employees. Um, and we are a startup. I can't offer them amazing things right now. Um, I, I really do want to. Uh, and, I, and I feel that as we grow and expand, we will be able to do that. Because we already I, are. We already I, are. Yeah, I disagree I, with them hardly on this one because we're giving them a place to work and function that's not... The founder of Patagonia wrote a book called Let My People Surf. Yeah. And he restructured corporate, you know, a workplace in a way that nobody ever had. And so we're, we're, we're kind of following in those footsteps of the greats. I mean, there, there are new ideas. There are innovative ideas. But there's also stuff that's been founded by amazing people that we can look at as a business and try to adapt that. The trick is, is how do we adapt that to hospitality? Because that's the really hard trick. But letting people pick their schedule. We put the, all the obligations on a big calendar. And everybody says, I want to work here, 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 and here. And this works with my life. And I can go ski in this day. And I can do this. And I can do that. And then we make it work. And that's evolving as we grow it up and when we create that experience for our staff then it's easier for them to deliver what we desire to the guest as far as it being a fun experience because they're truthfully they're having fun they interact when we're slow there's downtime there's lots of work to be done but you know when it's go time it's the gypsy show and that's what we want every time and to do that we have to nurture and cultivate yeah. awesome staff and I honestly we had a conversation about I don't know two months ago and I was like, I'm not going to stop selling this because we were engaging corporate events, we're engaging festivals, we're engaging all these obligations that have to go on a calendar. And if anybody is on top of that calendar, it's Nick, because he's planning preps, pars, the food, the production, everything that goes into this and every detail of it. And he's like, stop selling it. And I was like, nope. And he's like, how are we going <laughs> to staff it? And he was, I was like, it will come. And, and, it, and it did. I, it got, I got lucky. It, it wasn't yeah. like I didn't have this master plan of how I was going to generate all this fantastic staff. They literally approached us. We didn't have yeah, a hiring sign on the side we, of the truck. People oh, were like, wow. dude, this is really cool. Can I work here too? It's like, sure, come on. I mean, we literally yeah, did we, that. We have not had to put out a help wanted ad. 
since actually, you know, JJ came on full time and everything, we just have not had to do it. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, you know, you do play a huge role in that and you do make it more fun. I mean, it, it doesn't seem fun to me being around you all the time, but you know, everyone else seems to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we, yeah. <laughs> we talk a lot on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah several hours of my day are spent on that phone. Uh, just talking to you. My phone actually lets me know how much uh, uh, time I've spent on, ta- on, on yeah with you, and uh, it's a lot. Uh, but it, yeah, <laughs> it, it's actually uh, again, it's been amazing the way this has all grown into what it is, That's and, so cool. and I definitely want it to continue. Um, and the vision of making this a way better food experience for everyone. For, for the employees, for the guests, for management and everything has been uh, my uh, key desire. I think Matt's ready to uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting cold. No. I'm, I'm getting cold. Uh, He's going to cut and edit and roll this all up no, into a ball is, that makes this sense. This has been great. So, <laughs> I got to pee. I gotta, yeah, I got to pee I'm too. cold. Uh, <laughs> I got to go see Warren Miller. Uh, <laughs> nice. I, I was really excited about it this year. So, yeah. like, uh, Andrew... Uh, uh, my, my girlfriend's very good friends with the executive producer oh, cool. of uh, Warren Miller Entertainment, and uh, they invite us every year to see this, the film. Awesome. And uh, I was, it was a very somber year this year. Yeah. And so it's still a lot of good content. I'm psyched for you. It's a good movie. I won't cool. ruin it for you, but Thanks. it's definitely got a lot of really big high mountain stuff in it. I'm, I, was, I was pumped. It's a good movie. Well, this is a, a great day for me because get to hang out with you guys, go see Warren Miller. So, <clears throat> you know, Do seriously, it. thank you oh, for yeah, the for sure. thanks for the time. Man. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, again, yeah, sorry we couldn't. Uh it, it took as long as it did for us to do all of this. It's all right. Uh, we're busy making dreams happen on that gypsy right. truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, making dreams come true, Nick, JJ, thank you, man. It's thank awesome. You, man. Thank Appreciate you, Appreciate it, guys.